Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 18 and verse 27. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You know, sometimes the best plans that you can make don't always turn out exactly like you want them to go. So if you, if you will, kind of a thought experiment here. Imagine that you are a parent, okay? Imagine that you are a parent and hypothetically speaking, only hypothetically, let's say that you have three kids, all right? And Let's say that with those three kids, you gave each of them uh, a present. Let's say you gave each of them a toy, and you designed this present, you designed this toy, you picked it out particularly because you knew if I give this one this particular thing, and this one, and this one, then actually they could play with it individually, but they could have more fun even playing with it together. And so they could each enjoy the, the, the time together on their own, but then they could play with it together and it would be wonderful. And you planned all this out. But instead of the plans going the way you wanted it to go, they got jealous of each other. Like one, one kid gets jealous of the other. One kid feels gypped. One kid says, they got the best one. I just got this. And the person who seemingly has got the best one now, the best toy, definitely doesn't want to share, definitely doesn't want to play with others because they sense some superiority because they have an advantage over that other kid. And all you want to do as a parent is look at this big mess that started with you just saying, I, I just wanted to give you a present and look what you've done. Look at what a mess you made. I just wanted to give you a gift out of my kind heart and look what you've done with it. I say that because that feels a bit like reading this portion of 1 Corinthians. Because churches, and if you've been around churches a while, you know churches can disagree on silly things, almost unbelievable things. And God had given the church at Corinth gifts. God had given the church gifts, and instead of just enjoying the gifts and working together with the gifts, instead of that, they had really made a mess of things, and Paul was addressing them. And actually, as we hear from Paul in the church in Corinth, I think we're actually going to hear loud and clear of who we are. So that's been our study over the last several weeks. Who are we? And we are a body that needs each other. Who are we? We are a body that needs each other. And we're going to work through this passage. So I hope you have a copy of God's Word. Uh, if you have a, a hard copy, a paper copy, that's great. If you have an electronic copy, that's great. I really do want you to kind of walk through 1 Corinthians 12, the passage that uh, Riley read a moment ago. Because verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12 says this, and notice all the times the word one is used here. Just make a mental note of that. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, 
so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. As we look at this word picture of the body, the body of Christ, how we are the body, one thing you will notice, and one thing it helps us see, is how united we are to each other. How united we are to each other. How united we really are. We really are one. One of the places this passage goes to explain that is baptism. And it, we know baptism, and this is great timing because tomorrow night you're going to see pictures of this. But I think baptism is that unifying identification of people with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died in my place. And when we get baptized, we're saying, I have died with him and I am buried with him. And just as Jesus was raised to walk and and had a new life, so I have a new life in Jesus Christ. We identify. And and, and this passage is saying there, there is one baptism. We're all baptized by one spirit into Christ. The Spirit applies that. All of us who are Christians, we are one in that. So being united isn't even a goal. It's a reality. It's not fiction, fantasy, not a figment of our imagination. It's not as if a bunch of us way back when got together for a community initiative, said we ought to be more together, and that's out popped the church. It's not the way Scripture pictures it. It's not as if we are all alumni who went to the same school and remember the same professor and have like the same sweatshirt, and we remember the good old days. It's not. We are really united. We share the same spiritual DNA. We are one. We are one in the Trinity. I love how 1 Corinthians unpacks that. We share the same Spirit, and there is only one Holy Spirit, and we share that Spirit in common. We share the same Father, and there is only one Heavenly Father, and we share Him in common. We share the same Lord, and in other places, it's actually said that Jesus Christ is the head of the body. This body, He is the head of this body, and there is only one Lord and Savior. It's hard not to notice in verse 13 how this is so significant that it says this, in one spirit, we were all of us, all of us baptized, whether we're Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. So it's as if this other designation, if we, if we think of ourselves as Jews or Greeks, that's secondary. Any other identifier you could think of today, whether it's Jew or Greek, slave or free, rich or poor, male or female, is a secondary identifier because we are one in Christ. Why does it matter so much? Why does it matter that we say, okay, we really are united and we really need to get that? Well, especially now it matters because we are physically apart in many ways. I'm not sure when that will change, where it will change where we are not physically so apart. I don't know where we might inhabit the same spaces in worship and the same spaces in small groups and Sunday, Sunday Bible studies. I don't know when we will all inhabit the same space in rooms and in homes and in restaurants and coffee shops, but we are still one, and we can't afford to forget that, even if we aren't together in one place right now. And we also need to remember this, because we are united even though daily we are spoon-fed reasons why we should see and magnify differences. 
that we have with others who are also brothers and sisters in Christ. So your social media feed is going to, going to tell you and magnify these differences and say, no, no, you're not like them, you're not like them, you're not like them, you're not like them, those people, those people, those people. And, and there's something unifying here that is saying, if they have confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we are united with them. If you're baptized in Christ, you are one. That's so important to start here. We really are united. But notice that by using the language of the body, there's a, another, another place this analogy goes, and it really is what Rob and Donna talked about a moment ago. And it reminds us of how much we really need each other. So it also reminds us of just how much we really need each other. And I fear because I think that could have become somewhat of a cliche. Like, well, we all just need each other. And we heard that. If you've been around church, you've heard that. Maybe so many times it's become too familiar to you. But I, I really want to ask you to listen carefully. Like, listen as if it's the first time, as if Paul is teaching you new things about the body of Christ and reminding us again how much we really need each other. Make yourself notice what Rob and Donna taught is that every part of the body matters. And I'm not just saying like every part of the body being present matters. I'm saying every part of the body functioning, that's what matters. So it's not just that you're present, it matters also that you're contributing and participating in some capacity. It's like as Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth, which was such a mess. He's actually had two different mindsets that he is confronting and addressing. One of those you see in verse 14. So do you have verse 14 there in front of you? So this is what Paul says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, well, I'm not a hand, so I don't belong to the body. Well, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, well, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? It speaks the truth of us to us when we see ourselves. And maybe you are in this category of seeing your role, your contribution, the role you might play as inconsequential. You see, this speaks to us when we see our role in the body of Christ as inconsequential, like as if it really doesn't matter, and therefore I draw the conclusion, I guess I really don't belong here. Other people do, but I guess I don't. This is telling us, now, wait a minute, you could say that, but it's not true. My guess is that there are those that are here today that maybe due to, maybe due to your personality, you feel like other people seem to have a personality that clicks with others, and I just, I just don't seem to be in that category. Or maybe you think, the church is kind of geared for people of a certain marital status, and I'm not that, and so I guess, I guess this doesn't work for me. Or, or maybe you think because of my stage of life, maybe even your age, you know, it seems like churches give right, so I guess I don't belong because I'm not this, I'm not in this stage, I'm not in this category. Maybe you think you have very little to offer, and this passage is such a corrective, it's saying, no, that emphatically is not the case. Every part of the body matters. On the other hand, there, there is another mindset that I think Paul is trying to head off and address as well. It's actually in verse 21, and that is when the eye 
He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Actually, that's speaking to a different issue. It's speaking to a mindset of when we see ourselves as independent, as if like, I don't, I don't really need. And if you're tempted to think like, you know, church would be a better place if we didn't have this and we didn't have this and if we only had this, this is a corrective. If you think, I don't need church, like we don't need this, this stage of life, this kind of personality, this kind of background, this kind of experience. We would be better off if we were just this kind of one type of person, one type of group. This is saying, no, 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 this is not the case. This is not true. Paul is teaching that we are not okay on our own. We need each other. We need every single member of the body. We don't always get this. You know, you're trained. If you have a smartphone, if you have a tablet, if you have a computer, one of the things you can do is go to some sort of settings page. And on most of the settings pages that you will find, you'll find this, and it'll, it may be worded a little bit differently, but generally it's going to say, manage my preferences. And so you can tailor that device to exactly the way you want it to work for you. And you can turn this setting on and turn that setting off and turn this one on and turn this off. Delete this one, add this one. And you can manage your preferences. And I'm so, so fearful that that mindset of being able to just manage whatever I prefer creeps into how we do life together as a church. And I think, you know what? I don't prefer spending any time with that person, so I'll just like not. And I, I, I don't prefer to inconvenience myself in that way, so I won't. And over time, what does that do to your soul when all you think of, even in the body of Christ, is they're just preferences to manage? And if I don't prefer or if I don't feel like it's convenient, I'm not going to mess with it. That mindset is deadly. It's a deadly mindset to have. How, how does this idea, okay, so we're a body and uh, true confession like, Science was never my favorite subject, and biology, anatomy certainly was not my favorite subject. So many of you could go on and on and on about chemical properties of the body, but all of us, all of us have some understanding of how complex the body is. All of us realize to some degree that when we're talking about blood flow, and we're talking about air and breathing, we're talking about muscles and nerves and cells, and we're talking about a skeletal system, and we're talking about digestion, the body is complicated. There's so many analogies. And so if I just, all, all I did this week was just take a moment and think through, okay, what are the different parts of our body as a church? What are the different experiences and gifts and personalities that come into play at a church like Ogletown? And how deeply do we need the people? Okay, so you would have your own list, but, but here's some things that I jotted down. How deeply we would need the people that are strong. Okay, so some of you are strong. You're strong in your faith. You're bold. You have a deep faith in God and deep faith in, like, we will persevere, and we need you. We need you to speak that truth into our church. But, but how also do we need the people that are weak, reminding us we are living not in a perfect world. We're living in a fallen world, and we need those people who are weak, reminding us God has great things in store, and He's going to show Himself even in weakness. We need people that are 
detail conscious. So we need people that bodies are organized into systems, and we need people that are administratively capable and who, who can think through systems and logic and help organize effort. We need that. But we also need those who are people conscious, who say, wait a minute, there are image bearers of God. We do have systems, but we need to look at people. We need those that are drawn to mercy, where you, you recognize someone is hurting, and your inclination, your first inclination, may be different than lots of others. Your first inclination is, what can we do to serve? How can we help? We need those who are well thought of. People look at them and they say, their life seems to be together. We need those people in our congregation to use their influence to keep pointing people to Christ. But we also need those who maybe are lesser known. Because you know what God does? God uses the little things to actually shame, shame the strong, confound the wise. We need all the parts working together. We need those that come from some pretty stable places. So maybe that was you, maybe that's your background, is life was pretty stable for you, and you, you, you had a, a good upbringing, not perfect, but stable, and that will help our church family. But then also, we need those that come from some difficult and dark places, maybe places of being marginalized or mistreated, or maybe even your background is one of abuse. And your story will matter. It'll give us eyes to see what's going on in this world. And we need you present. We need you here. We need the teachers. And I'm not just talking about the vocational teachers. I'm talking about those that know how to explain something and, and teach us things and move our hearts and our minds to action. And we need those that are more activists, like, well, we can talk about it or we can do something. We need you to help lead the way and do things. And we need, we need those that are lean more toward emotions because we aren't just brains on a stick, but God designed us as people that have emotions and feel things, and we need those that feel things deeply. We need you to be a part of this body. We need those that are, are really blessed and see ways in which they can be generous and give and give and give, and we need th those that are willing to help and help. They don't need their name written anywhere. They're just willing to help. And even if that's the fourth or fifth or sixth person on a task, they're just glad to be a part of helping. We need the person who can give insight into the deep things of God. You see how all this works together. We need each part of the body, not just present, not just present. We need you functioning. Like we need you functioning this week. We need you functioning today. We need to be talking back and forth. We need to be reaching out. We need to be speaking the truth to each other. You will play that role. You can play that role this week, speaking God's Word to each other. You can play the role of praying and caring and listening and loving. You can play the role of opening up your homes or even opening up your back deck to meet someone and to talk. You can play the role of giving rides or delivering meals. Maybe you will weep with someone who's saying, after all, you are sovereign, you are good, you are constant, not for a moment. Maybe you will weep with someone who is walking through a series of life issues that is making them feel that deeply, but maybe you also will join someone in celebrating like God came through again. And like this is how the body works together. And maybe that's in circles and rows and Zoom calls. It's volunteering and giving, it's going the extra mile. Every part of the body is needed. This season has just driven home how much... Church, we are not a place where we just count on a handful of people to do the work, or we're not surviving. That's just not the way it's meant to be. Just a few select people do all the work of ministry at the church. That's never the way it was meant to be. 
We need people willing to serve, invest time. People willing to text, give gifts, send cards. And when that happens, another, we're not going to spend time looking at it today, but you can look at several references in the New Testament. When that happens, the body grows. It grows. Maybe you've begun to think, like, I hear all that theoretically, Curtis, and I know the whole body needs each other. I just don't, I don't know the arrangement like that I'm in right now. I just don't know how all that works. And maybe you need to hear verse 18 of this chapter. And I feel like I need to hear it again and again. But as it is, if you're not certain of the arrangement, just hear these words clearly. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, 100%, each one of them, as he chose. We're a body that's really united. We're a body that has a deep like a deep need for each other, but here we also notice how God knows exactly what He's doing in arranging the body just as it needs to be. God knows exactly what He's doing in arranging the body just as it needs to be. He has the plan. He has the wisdom. He knows how this is supposed to work, and He brings everything together, every part of it. I think that's so critical for us to realize. I don't know, maybe you've had a similar experience occasionally, so I've been, I've served on boards and been in meetings where like maybe a subcommittee has gotten this presentation together or maybe they're getting together a budget or a strategic plan and they bring it to a, a wider group, the wider board, and you sit in the meeting and you look at this thing and you know people have spent some time on it. You know people have worked on this and yet the minute you look at it, within about 10 seconds you go, did you forget about this? Like how could you miss that? Like, this is just obvious. Like, your, your, your plan, I think, you, I think you whiffed on this one because you missed this central thing. I want you to know God has never had that happen to him in all of his plans. Never once has someone been able to raise their hand and say, God, you did, didn't you think about? Can I bring to your attention? God is these words are powerful words, God arranging, God choosing, God ordaining. God has this plan from the beginning to save sinners and to reconcile this world to himself. God loved from the beginning. This is his plan. He's arranged this whole thing. And the work of the cross on our behalf was planned. This happened in Acts according to the definite plan, predetermined plan of God. And even the sending of the Holy Spirit to empower us to live life together happened because of God's plan. It was prophesied hundreds of years beforehand. It's been really comforting to me because I go, Lord, what, what is needed at Ogletown? And I hear the Lord reminding me, I have arranged members in the body as I chose. Specifically in 2020, I've arranged it just like I want it. I put these people for this season of time. And in 2025, should Jesus not come back by then? He'll also continue to arrange the members in the body as he chooses. We need to know that. The church isn't just some chaotic mess we're trying to make work. God's arranged this, and he's arranged it for reasons, like to cause us to grow toward maturity, to push us to care well, to love each other, and to do good works. It's, it's pushed us to make sure no one's neglected or forgotten, and it's pushed us. It's pushed us. The way he's arranged it is meant to push us to never forget 
that our commission is to make disciples of all nations. That, that, that is part of this gathering that we are meant to remember. The body is meant to function, and one of those functions will be sending people out, going out ourselves, teaching, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I love in this chapter how we circle back to where we were at the beginning. Look at, I guess it's midway through verse 24. So where the sentence starts in verse 24, it says, God has so composed the body, and he's given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. And they suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Can we just circle back to the beginning and recognize we are seeing the body and how united we really are. How united we really are. Deep unity has always been the goal. If we're tempted to think, yeah, it doesn't really matter. If we're fractured, it is what it is. Then we can't read this passage without being convicted. We are united, not just on paper, not in theory, but as you read it, like, we are meant to have the same care for each other to the point where it does affect us emotionally. If someone's weeping, we weep with them. If someone's honored, we celebrate, we rejoice with them. We're close enough. That does imply, doesn't it, that we're close enough to care, that we're not just all kind of a bunch of casual relationships in the room but it means we're close enough to know and close enough to care, close enough to walk together. Every step we take in that direction is a step in the right direction. Every step we take out of like being anonymous, being in relationships is a step in the right direction. You know, it sounds a little bit like a broken record these days because I think every single commercial that I watch say, these times feel really uncertain, and they do, they really do. There's a level of fear, a level of anxiety that even if you don't want to deal with, it's going to be brought to your doorstep because you're going to have friends and family that are dealing with it, even if it's not your issue, and often it's, it is our issues. There's an introduction of awkwardness into things that like shouldn't be awkward, shouldn't be strange, shouldn't be complicated. And frankly, that affects us at church. And I'll just be very, very straight up with you is you try to lead and kind of if you think of like a leadership dashboard, it's like all the instruments and all the things that are, have not been calibrated and you're not sure what any of them mean right now. It just, it really does feel so, so different. Some things feel very much the same. A lot of things feel very, very different. I can't see many of the people I want to see on a regular basis. Can't kind of gauge exactly where things are. And that, this is what I know is possible. It is possible that we could come out of this season whenever that will be and just dial things so in our, in our own convenience and our own preferences. But if we do that, pushing everything away just, except for things that make me happy and comfortable, if we do that, we're missing this picture of the body of Christ and we've settled for something less. I think the teaching of God's Word here on how to be the the body, that we are a body, I think this will serve us really well. How is this body going to stay 
together, because right now physically we are divided. What I'm learning, as much as I love like this room completely packed and the room next door completely packed and 9.45 Sunday Bible study hours completely packed and Kids Church completely packed, you know, Ogletown was never really about just a large crowd that barely knew each other gathering on a Sunday. That's never what our church was about. And if we ever thought that way or were tempted to think that way. And our church was never about, should never have been about, like this wide range, kind of this portfolio of activities that each, each user can customize their experience. It never, never was meant to be about that. How is this body going to stay together? We're going to stay together by hearing God's word teach us and remind us that we've got a different mindset because we're a body. God has designed you, he's designed me to be a functioning part of the body of Christ. And for many of you, a lot of that function will take place at Ogletown Baptist Church. You're going to be a vital part whether you're watching or whether you're present. And God has not only designed you that way, but he's designed many others around you brought alongside many others who are also part of the body, members of the same body. But in the end, it won't be about all of our goals, our dynamic plans, our determination. It actually will be about God working in this body of Christ, pushing us to be exactly what he wants us to be. He's going to arrange the members just as he chooses. No one's inconsequential and no one is independent. We deeply need each other. Can I ask the Lord's help for that? Thank you, Lord, for the reminder from this passage, this word picture that helps us fill in gaps that we might not have seen otherwise. You know, as I read this, Lord, that my heart is heavy because in so many ways, it feels like we are divided. It certainly feels like we are apart Seems like it is extra work, complicated work to be united. And yet, we also know nothing is impossible for you. So we pray for your hand to be on our church, uniting us, showing us maybe more than we've ever seen how deeply we need each other. And Father, I pray that not just for our church, but I think of my, my friends and fellow pastors, and I think of sister churches in our area, and what we pray is for those that preach the gospel clearly, that you will bring our bodies together, that we will be a bold witness as the body of Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.